0: And welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor, and I'm Carrie Gessner. We're still healthy and still recording, and we hope this podcast brings you comfort. Follow updates from CDC.gov and your state's Department of Health, and seek out only accurate, science-based, and up-to-date information on the pandemic. But also, if you can, please take moments for self-care every day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay inside. And stay positive. And today we are delighted to interview author Matt Betts on some of his latest projects. So today, Carrie and I are really excited. We have author Matt Betts with us. And we'll let Matt kind of introduce himself and then we'll discuss some of his recent projects.
1: All right. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm Matt Betts. I write science fiction and a little bit of horror and sometimes a combination of the two. I think I've been writing for about, seriously writing for about 15 years now. I've got somewhere around seven or eight books coming out, or already out, and another one coming out this summer, which is a sequel to my first book, which is kind of a fun place to be to kind of come full circle. I was just talking to somebody about that book, and it's a sequel to a book that came out in 2013, so we were kind of sitting there going, oh, it's been seven years already since that first one came out. It seems really weird. But um, you know, I'm kind of stuck at home right now. I've got two kids. I'm a teacher. I'm a lunch lady. I'm a tech (laughs) guru. I'm a little of everything, and in addition to being an author, right now.
0: So so are we all? I think that's (laughs) (laughs) right. So you recently started participating with the Edgar Rice Burroughs universe. Um, You want to tell us a little bit about that project?
1: Yeah, that's my latest book that came out. Is uh, Carson of Venus, the Edge of All Worlds, and. It kind of started off with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Carey. I believe he also came from your uh, university, didn't yeah, he? Uh, yeah. Christopher, well, Paul Carey. Yeah. I-, I was introduced to him. Uh, we had sort of been in contact and didn't quite realize it earlier. Uh, he worked for another company, and I'd sent a, a writing sample looking to do some books for them. It didn't quite work, but when he started working with Edgar Rice Burroughs, Inc., he remembered uh, my work, and he reached out and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing some pulp stuff, and would you would you want to come and work with you know ERB Inc which of course I said yeah and we started discussing ideas and we talked about uh some of the other characters in the universe that uh, are you know in the various universes that Burroughs wrote uh, such as John Carter and Tarzan and uh Pellucidar which is sort of the center of the earth uh, as tales he told and eventually we settled on starting this uh, this whole new arc we settled on this character called Carson of Venus as his name's Carson Carson Napier And um, he's sort of this scientist and he wanted to go to Mars and he he built this rocket to go to Mars and he didn't quite make all the correct calculations and ends up uh, crash landing on Venus. So you you can see how that's a problem. (laughs) So, you know, you're you're aiming for Mars and end up there. Uh, But so we decided to do that. Uh, So this book uh, launches uh, a whole new uh, series of books that they're considering canon that uh, continue uh, Burroughs's characters. This one goes and then next will be Tarzan. Uh, after that is John Carter and after that is actually a whole new character who's introduced in my book. We'll have the fourth and fourth book in this series. So, it was kind of a, you know, it was it was a really great start. It was a lot of fun and uh this is my first sort of tie-in novel where I worked in someone else's universe. So, that was a, a good experience and and uh, Christopher was uh, terrific to work with and Liked a lot of my ideas right out of the gate, so we didn't have a whole lot of back and forth as to this wouldn't work in, in, in Carson's universe and or in Burroughs' world. So it was it was good, and and once we got all the ideas hashed out, it really only took about three months to write the book, and uh, and now it's out. So it seems like a really, you know, a really crazy thought that it was all over. You know,
0: that's a really fast turnaround. Is that a lot faster than when you're writing your own original work? Do you work a little bit slower?
1: It really depends on who I'm working with and what, what sort of deadlines they're, they're under. I, I've I've worked with a few publishers that, you know, left some open deadlines. So usually it'll take me a little longer. And in fact, you know, my first books, the first two books I wrote, probably, you know, I had no idea what I was doing as far as structure, as far as, you know, I hated to outline. So they took me, you know, a couple, three years to write, you know. And to think that, the you know, the first book I wrote took three years and the latest took three months is... <laughs> it's it's mind boggling to me you know but so we had, we probably had like two months of, of figuring things out how it was going to work and how it was going to be how the whole series was going to work but really i i guess i, I not how the whole series was going to work because i i don't know how it's the series is going to end you know there's a lot of things in my book that set up stuff down the line but i don't know exactly what it is <laughs> you know it's uh by the time the fourth book is written it'll, you know everything will be revealed but i uh i i, I wasn't sure at the time of writing it so. Uh, two months to figure it out and then three months to write it. So that's much quicker than anything I have ever done, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very fast. <laughs> that's very I, fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can write a book in three months.
1: See, and, and the thing was, well, that those two initial months of, of, of writing this outline that he wanted, he was wasn't specific, but said, I want a very detailed outline because they had to make sure everything was going to be, you know, it was going to be up to Burroughs standards. It was going to continue to further the story and everything like that. So after we figured out that outline and like I said, me not being much of an outline writer my detailed outline ended up being like thirteen thousand five hundred words
0: oh my goodness which
1: wow yeah was kind of insane for me uh i i was you know i didn't want to write it in the first place because i don't like outlines but then i once i started writing i was enjoying it you know it was it was fun and then once i started actually sitting down and writing the book i had this detailed roadmap that whenever i got stuck there it was you know it was like oh i'm not going anywhere except here you know it was it was, it was kind of freeing to not have, to, you know, that, that's how it got done so fast is that it was all sort of mapped out. And I was just kind of writing in the connective tissue to all these, you know, bones we'd already put out for it. So it, yeah, it went, it went quickly once I started writing. It was, it was fun to do. And if I did get stuck, I, I had that outline. I could jump ahead and write the next chapter if I wanted to, or two chapters down the line because it was so mapped out.
0: That's cool. Right, that makes sense. You don't outline when you're doing your own original stuff, are you? Are you learning maybe that that's a good idea to do? Uh, (laughs) I
1: am. Uh, Yeah, I am. I'm learning uh, very slowly. Uh, (laughs) I'm still a pantser at heart, but I'm I'm seeing the power of the plot. You know, this one, the two books I wrote before this were for another publisher named uh, called Severed Press, and I just had to pitch them and. They wanted, you know, a basic synopsis, and I turned it into sort of a mini outline. It was probably half a page, maybe a page, but it was the same way. It was like, okay, I know what's coming next, maybe not as detailed. So, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, plotting is a is a good thing. Although, I, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll slip back into my my pantsing ways or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it was interesting. It was it was an interest. As much as I complained about plotting and, and writing outlines, it was amazing that. It, help me like it did cool
2: well you mentioned the main character from book four is introduced in your book so you've got what they call wave one of the relaunch of the edgar rice burroughs universe yeah and i know christopher was calling it calling it kind of a super arc where there's an overarching thing to those four books so you're working with yeah. that but then you're also working in Edgar Rice Burroughs' world. So yeah. that how did you balance those two things while also telling your own story, I guess?
1: Well, you know, I I was lucky. And I, you know, whenever people ask, you know, uh, about starting with this sort of unknown, not unknown, but lesser known uh, hero in, in Carson of Venus. I mean, there's certainly a lot stronger, and you know, more famous and well-known characters. I was lucky that I only had four and a half books to pull from. He wrote four full novels in in a short story or a longer uh, short story. So I really just had to study those and read those over and over again to get his world down. You know, the next guy after me, you know, he's got uh, he's got Tarzan, which has, you know, almost 30 books, I think, and all the movies that have been, you know, and all the movies and the cartoons and all this other stuff. that You have to wade through and figure out what's canon and what's not and, and what people might think is canon. So he he's got a tough job, although he knows Tarzan backwards and forwards. So for me, I, I had an easy start in doing this, and then building from there. It's it's well, it, it was easy for me sort of to to create new characters and new situations because the people at Burroughs were were very open to it, and I was lucky that just reading these books again. I'd read I, I'd read some of them when I was a kid. I'd read some Burroughs when I was younger. You know, I was a big fan of the pulps, and I was a big fan of Asimov and 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 a lot of other people and so reading this series oh, it's funny cuz right away there's a, f- a scene very early on that i had a question about and i'm like well the question will be answered eventually and so i read through these books and and the short story and i didn't find that answer and i you know i read them again you know trying to get his his cadence of how he t- how he ri- writes and how he you know his language and stuff and and as i went through again this, this question just wasn't answered so almost from the very first read of this book I had an idea for this plot. And when I pitched it to Chris, he said, that's, that's, that's terrific. That, that, that's, you know, it never was answered. You're right. And it's, it's not a huge thing, but I turned it into a a bigger thing than it was. So they were very excited from the beginning and were not at all, you know, tough to, to work with. The only things that I had a problem with here and there were just getting his characters down, uh, making sure I've got them right. So that, Newer readers would understand who they are, and you know, fans would uh, would say, "Okay, yeah, that's how they would react," or "That's not how that." You know, you you had to make sure you got it right for everybody, Mm -hmm. and I I think we did. But they really made it easy for me, and and you know, if I if I was suggesting something that wasn't going to work, they told me very quickly, rather than letting me you know (laughs) uh, sort of hang on that hook for a while. But it was it, it was a fun job, and it was fun to go back and go on the internet and read, you know, newsletters from, you know, people that keep track of, of Tarzan and keep track of other Burroughs stuff. And just to see how they reacted to Carson and how they, you know, how they uh, felt about certain characters or things that might have been left hanging, which the thing that I used wasn't even something that they had talked about, you know, leaving it hanging. So I was excited that I was giving them something new, but it sounds like so far from the reviews that people kind of like what I've done with it. So it was fun. It was a blast. A little nerve-wracking to make sure you're getting everything right, but otherwise it was fun.
0: Cool. I have like a little bit of a process question. So the first Carson book came out in 1937. And I know that when I read books that are from that era now, which is not super often anymore, but, you know, you're surprised at how the, the writing style and writing conventions change and and things like that things that we sort of writing now there's certain ways that we treat plot or point of view or or trying to streamline our dialogue or, or something so did you find that it was like were you asked to replicate Burroughs style or were you allowed to make it a little bit more contemporary feeling
1: well they didn't straight out ask me to imitate Burroughs or imitate his style necessarily but we wanted to A, we wanted to make sure it stayed in the same point of view. Uh, This particular series was written in first person, so uh, we wanted to make sure it stayed in first person. And we wanted it to be as seamless as it could be between that book and this book, so that if someone were to go back and read all those older books, and uh, the the original books, and then read mine, that it wouldn't seem too jarring as far as the language and stuff. and, and, And you're right, there were so many things that you know, in writing or in, you know, when I, when I was in, you know, in college that they, they told you not to do in your writing that, you know, in, in the pulps or in the, in the, you know, the older sci-fi that they did frequently, you know, aside from just, you know, markers for your speech, he said, or she said, as opposed to he, you know, he, he shouted across the, you <laughs> know, across the hall. And, you know, you, a lot of things that are so much bigger than our language, whereas, you know, we seriously, be considered a faux pas for a newer story, maybe, but, to keep it in that same time and place that I did have to go back and I had to change a lot of my SEDs to something else. He exclaimed or he, you know, he expounded or something just to kind of keep it the same. And and, and really, it was at the end I went through and did a search for SED and I went through and said, OK, I can keep SED in a few times, you know, and I can change <laughs> this one. And this is a dangerous situation. But yeah, they really didn't want me to to imitate him, but there were a few things we had to use, you know, just to to keep it on. Some of the things that we did was, when we first came on, was we wanted to talk about it being, to keep it that same sort of feel, but bring it into our time, you know, which involves changing a few things here and there. But, uh, you know, we wanted to change some viewpoints and some, some attitudes that the characters had, but for the most part, it was uh, it was writing what I wanted to do and talking about it later if we wanted to you know, change something a little bit as far as how they said something.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. This makes me want to go back. I've not actually read the Carson books, so this makes me actually want to go back and read those before I get to yours and see see if I agree that it just flows seamlessly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, what What I did was, like I said, I read them two or three times all the way through, and then they, they weren't available in audiobook. They're still not. Not these – so i put on the thing that they do with some of the the readers that where they'll do text to speech mm. but it sounds ter- it sounds like a robot reading yeah, it to yeah. you basically <laughs> yeah. so I, I i did that for a while trying to get his cadence and his, I, I could get his language but you just can't get real speech from that text to speech sort of thing so it was uh a little weird listening to it that way so i went back to just reading it myself but you know i did everything i could to find that the the language and the and the like like you said the words and the cadence just to see how it how it flowed so
0: that's fun! Wow. Yeah, they should make audiobooks of those. That's too bad that there isn't.
1: I, I they they may go back and do that. Um, they have an audiobook of of my book that just came out, and I know they're probably talking to that same company about doing other books. I don't, you know, I'm sure they'll go ahead with this this series and do, but I, I'm not sure what they'll go back and do. But it, it would be great to have those in audio. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I absolutely. did actually listen to the first John Carter book in audio.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, John Carter. Some of the Carter's in public domain, so people could do okay. that. Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. So I, I don't – I'm not sure the situation of Carson or if people just haven't gotten around to it. Okay.
2: And how much were you involved in the prequel comic? Because there's a prequel comic too, right, to your book?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And The first issue got out, and then we got hit with the comic distributors shut down. And oh. so the comic companies pretty much had to shut down because there was no way to get their, their work out. But yeah, so enough of a dream job to be writing a Burroughs novel that's going to be canon to his, you know, his work, you know, from the actual company that he founded, Edgar Rice Burroughs Inc. But then they said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing a prequel comic." And I said, "A comic book? Sure, I'm on board." <laughs> I mean, you know, when I was a kid, that was pretty much all I read for quite a while, and I had friends we used to pretend we were going to start our own company and we'd draw our own books and stuff. So that was uh, very exciting to do, but we were already heavily into getting Carson going, the, the book going. So I wrote a uh, basic outline for a story, and then we kind of went back and forth, and I expanded it a little bit, and they expanded a little bit. And uh, so it ended up my idea combined with uh, Christopher Carey's ideas and Mike Wolfer's ideas from, uh, it's put out by American Mythology Comics. So Mike Wolfer did uh, a lot of the storytelling as he was drawing and, and, and writing the, the book. So. Uh, it was a blast and I'm uh, they said they're still going to make sure these other two issues get out it kind of stunk because it was going to be you know an issue one month an issue another month an issue the next month and then the next month the book would launch or even that last comic would have came out the day you know when the book was launching so it would have been you know a seamless transition because the story really goes straight from the end of the comic book literally the book itself starts just after that last page of the comic book so it would have been a lot of fun to have that sort of connection and, and it will be soon when we get them out again but they had originally planned on doing a Kickstarter so that they could do the book themselves and distribute it themselves by mail or, or, or another method. I don't know if they're still planning on doing that as, uh, you know, they may open up more distributors here pretty soon, but I'd love to see it come out. It was uh, The first issue was just terrific.
0: Oh, well, hopefully that'll, yeah. yeah. I mean, things are starting to open back up, so hopefully that'll get resolved. But was it the fault of the pandemic or was it because of the company itself or just...
1: No, it's it's entirely the you know the pandemic. Just uh, the the distributors just were like, all right, we're we're stopping now, and uh, nothing is. So all the comic sh- stores that are out there right now, you know, are, that most of them are closed. But they wouldn't be getting books anyway, mm-hmm. just because the distributor wouldn't bring them in. Maybe a smaller distributor might, but not for these books.
0: Okay, well, yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to see them sometime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can treat them like a like a it. retroactive prequel. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, we'll have a we're gonna have a big party and then have a retroactive prequel and just kidding. Today's the actual launch day and and all that stuff. So <laughs> we're hoping that the you know that everything will open up in time for Pulp Fest, which is in Pittsburgh, uh, and that usually takes place I want to say in September, August or September. So it, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But uh, that's always a fun place to go and talk about pulp books like this and comics and things like that. So yeah. that'd be a great place to do it.
0: That would for sure so what are what do you got going on with your own original work too you've got some new releases or other than their sequel yeah. to your book from several years I, ago
1: right I, I look crazy busy and crazy productive but I it's an illusion it's all an illusion <laughs> um, I had a book a, a sort of a Bigfoot uh, Sasquatch book called white anvil uh, and it came out at the end it came out in November and that book had been it had just gotten finished and so it came out in November but that was about the time we were getting ready to talk about uh, Carson Venus. So that was, like you said, was a really quick turnaround. And uh, we were already sort of in the, the early stages of that. And it came out in April. And then the sequel to my first book comes out in July, or at least that was the most recent plan. We'll see if that gets messed with because of the pandemic. But that book has literally been done for like a year and a half, maybe two. Oh, wow. And it's just been finding, yeah, it's just been finding a a, a release for it. And we, they actually had originally talked about doing it in December. Well, a, a while back, we had talked about that. And I knew that White Anvil was going to be around there. And the last time one of my books from that publisher, Severed Press, came out, it came out like within a month of a a, a Dogstar Books or Raw Dogs Dreaming Press book. And literally just got I I had to pick between which one I was really going to you know, push. And I just didn't have the budget to go nuts on both of them, you know. And uh, the first one really got buried from Severed Press. So we kind of space them out a little bit. So now it looks like, oh, Matt's putting out a book every four months. You know, <laughs> what is he, Stephen King? <laughs> so, but yeah, one of them has been done for a while and one was written faster than I've ever written. So so now I get to take a little bit of a break and, and work on something new and, and uh, see what I can do during lockdown. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, release. It uh, should be summer, maybe uh, I think end of July uh, for uh, Red Gear 9 is the sequel to uh, Odd Man Out. And um, it keeps the same general cast, at least the ones that survived the first book. (laughs) And we add something new in uh, a newer focus that keeps these characters sort of on their toes, matting in this sort of Confederate spy who escapes from Alcatraz and comes looking for people to get his revenge on. And he's uh, kind of a fun character. I mean, it's fun to do sort of looking up and doing the research as to what sort of spy tools there were around the Civil War. You know, I like to call him a cross between James Bond and I can't think of his name now, Tom Cruise's character from Mission Impossible. Oh. And uh, then uh, like Boyd Crowder from Justified. You know, I he's sort of this Confederate spy that knows a lot of things, but doesn't quite have the fancy tools that, you know, modern spies would have. So uh, it was fun looking that up and really doing the research on spy tools in the, during the Civil War and uh, what was going on in Alcatraz during the Civil War. And uh, sort of fitting all that fun stuff into my world.
2: That sounds really cool.
0: Yeah. So a a reader who I love Odd Men Out. That was your first book that I read. Would somebody who hasn't read Odd Men Out be able to come to this one pretty fresh? Or should they read that one first?
1: I think they should read that one first. Although, like I said, I've kind of jumbled the characters and uh, their place in the world around a little bit. So they probably could come in fresh. But I would recommend finding out who all these additional characters are. I think it'll, it'll, it would certainly enhance the reading. I don't know if it's necessary, but yeah, it would certainly help.
2: (laughs) Well, great. Cool. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
2: During quarantine while you're, you know, taking care of kids and, and writing, are you consuming any cool pop culture that,
1: that you're really enjoying? I'm I'm catching up on a lot of things. You I know you guys have, have covered a lot of things that I loved. You know you've covered Billie Eilish. Is that how you pronounce her last name?
0: Yes, yes,
1: yes. I I'm really kind of into her, and I loved her James Bond theme. Unfortunately, the James Bond movie getting pushed back.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you've talked about Fringe and X Files, which are you know two of my big favorites, and I was catching up on those uh, sort of X Files reunion episodes, which I have mixed feelings about, yeah. but. <laughs> Yeah, it was great to see the whole gang back together. And uh, I didn't watch them all when they first came out, the the reunion things. But you know, I, I I was expecting something else. I think I don't know, but it was still fun to see them and, and sort of put a lot of those things to rest. You know, I'm waiting to get the uh, next season of Killing Eve. Are you guys into Ooh, Killing Eve?
0: Yes, yes. Yes. We we oh, love yeah. it. Yeah, she uh, Carrie actually got me into that originally. I think didn't you? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah.
1: Do you do you guys have the new season? Because I can't, I don't have access to it yet.
0: Um, the new season is on Hulu. The season two is on Hulu. Season three. Yeah, but now the
1: season three just came out. Yeah. Did it? Yeah.
0: Okay. I usually yeah. watch like it the first on Hulu. couple
1: episodes. They're on BBC America and mm-hmm. I forget who else shows them. Maybe AMC or somebody might have them. Oh. But they won't come to Hulu for uh, I don't know how long. But I saw the previews.
2: I've been staying caught
1: up, but yeah.
2: It's, I think it is one of those shows, though, that is almost not better, but it's almost more fun to just have all of the episodes ready to binge so you can watch as much as you want at one time. Right. Yeah,
0: I actually read the. You read the books? I read the books. I The books are a little bit different, but the the first book has one of the best opening scenes of book I've ever read. And I want to use it really? in creative writing classes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the... the oh, I thought you were going to say I wanted to use it. I just want to steal it. No, well, yeah. But um, no, the um, the point of view is really tight. It really... it World builds without info dumping. And it gives you background on the bad guys that you don't get on the show. So uh-huh. it's... Yeah, I don't... I Really only the first book is, is recommended in, in my opinion. But... There is a second one, and it's fine. But yeah, I yeah. think he really he really got what he needed to do in the first one. <laughs> right. I think there are three now, actually. Are there three? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Season one of the show also benefited from Fee Waller-Bridge writing it, and she's not writing season two or three, and I think I can kind of tell oh. that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, when I found out season two came out, I, I was in target or something. I saw it was on DVD and I, we grabbed it and started binging it immediately. And then I think it came to Hulu like a week later. So (laughs) I didn't need to do that, but I, I had to, to check it out. So uh, I'll probably end up doing the same for season three. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else I'm really binging? I'm not really binging anything. I'm catching up on some movies that, well, I justified. Uh, I mentioned that earlier Boyd Crowder, but I missed, it was one of my favorite shows. And then I missed season, like the last two seasons, five and six. So I've been binging that on Hulu now, finishing that up. And then I also caught up on some movies that I thought I would love and just ended up hating. (laughs) Highly unrecommended movies. But, you know, I I was watching a lot of pandemic type movies or or more zombie apocalypse than pandemic, I guess. And uh, I was disappointed by a couple I picked up. But we won't even talk about that. Yeah, (laughs) That's too bad, though. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, we've, you know, we just got disney plus so we hit mandalorian we're doing clone wars nice so yeah that's our big binge right now
0: excellent excellent nice. yeah. well thanks anything you'd like to leave our listeners with as far as something that you highly recommend for your own work or maybe something that you're reading or recently read by someone else
1: uh, i i haven't done a ton of reading recently unfortunately oh. most of my the things i've been reading have been like process books and and like um you know books about uh marketing and and budgeting and you know really unfun stuff yeah uh, nothing i would recommend okay. really um as far as that <laughs> if i want to recommend something of mine i think white anvil was a lot of fun it's a trapped in a in a tight space as a sort of book where you know people fighting against the elements and these crazy creatures coming at them and also having a couple other problems to deal with along the way so it's kind of a it's kind of a good, you know, fantastic getaway, grossed out kind of book, I guess. So that
0: sounds great. Um, perfect
1: for right now, right? Yeah. Need that.
0: That actually sounds. <laughs> I actually that sounds really right up my alley. So I think I may pick that up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I thought of you the other day because I saw someone with a had posted a picture of the uh, Mothman with his uh, uh, pandemic <laughs> mask on. Did oh, you see that? Oh,
0: No, I didn't. No, I missed he, that. He has
1: a yeah. There's somebody to put an actual uh, mask on the statue of Mothman, and, and, and so I immediately thought of your book.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. I think that's a great yeah. note to leave things on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is fun.
0: Thanks. We'll we'll definitely have you back on when your next book comes out, if you don't mind. And it sounds like people have a lot of your back catalog to explore. Um, where can people find you on social media?
1: Well, you can find my website at uh, mattbetts.com. I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, at Betts underscore Matt. And uh, I'm on Facebook at uh, Matt Bets Great.
2: Okay. Great. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks a lot.
2: You're welcome. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> it's always great to talk to Matt. That was so much fun. Absolutely. And we
0: will ab- we will certainly have him back soon to talk about some more of his projects, as well as some pop culture stuff that he's been listening to and watching lately as well.
2: For sure. Next time, we are going to talk about poetry with poets Aaron Carlisle and Mary Soon Lee.
0: Our theme music is by Joseph McDade.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KW KWTaylorWriter. You can find both of us on Twitter at Podcast.
0: And you can email both of us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for
2: listening, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop.